Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning. morning. Thank you for that right there. I just got one clap right there. (laughs) Well, um, I want to share a few things before uh, we get into today's message. It's the last in the series, the 10th one. I can't believe we've traveled 10 weeks together in this one. But first, I want to point you to next Sunday. And by the way, if it's your first, second time here, I'm Jim Del Campo. It's good to meet you. I'm the... Praise the Lord. Who, who gave me that whistle right there? Here's a dollar right now. Uh, no, but uh, uh, I'm your senior pastor here, and we have a lot of great ministers, and um, we have a lot of great young ministers, guys. That's just a great thing about our church. And they're up and coming, and the future's in good hands, and uh, praise the Lord. Um, But next week, we're going to start a new series. It's called The Bible. And we're going to examine the Bible from different perspectives. Uh, The first, because, look, I I know for a fact, all the surveys say that most Christians never even open their Bible. They don't read the Bible. And I, that's just not good, okay? We need to be reading it. And uh, every every day, just read a little bit of it every day. Stay in the New Testament if you're new to it. You're a New Testament believer. Um, We're going to go down certain paths in this Bible to try to, I want to create more biblical literacy um, in our congregations. And so um, we're, we're going to cover four different uh, areas of it in the next series, so it'll be a good one. Um, I want to point you to Saturday. I know we have a big deal out here today, but Saturday we have two events. We have a women's event, we have a men's event, okay? The women at 4 o'clock here on the campus, you're having a women's fellowship. You're going to have food, crafts, and line dancing, Wait, I'm not done. You're going to have axe throwing. So you bring a picture of your husband or your boyfriend. <laughs> don't, don't. No, but you're going to have axe throwing. Can you believe it? Isn't that a, I thought that was a guy's event. No, but no, it's women. You're going to have that. So you can sign up at NBCC.com slash women online. Sign up, be here. You have a lot of fun. Men, there's a, we have a horseshoe tournament coming Saturday morning. Men, so how many of you have ever thrown a horseshoe before? Have you just thrown a horseshoe before? Okay, so come on out. There's going to be food there. Guys like food. It's at Pike's Peak Park. Is that how you say it? I, I, you know, Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled pepper. You know, it's, it's a tough one for me. So sign up for that. It's uh, online. Sign up at NBCC.com slash events. It's at 9 o'clock in the morning. The women's at 4 o'clock here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, as I said, uh, we started off 10 weeks ago. Uh, if you just joined us, this series has been um, uh, a, a study of Genesis 3 and all the issues and all the dysfunctions born out of sin and shame. Sin says, I've done wrong, I've done bad. Shame says, I'm wrong. Come on, guys, we've done this so many. I'm wrong, I'm bad. See, shame means disappointed. And so as a result of sin, shame matters in the world. We become disappointed with ourselves. We study the fig leaves, all many different directions. And so today may not be as big an impact on you if you haven't been here. I suggest strongly that you go back on our NBCC Norco YouTube channel and watch the first nine messages. 
It will help you. Look, you're going to watch sitcoms all week long. Why not watch that? And it will help you along. I started this series with a message called The Script. And I showed how uh, in the beginning, God had a certain script. It was a good one. And Satan comes along, and he entices them. They sin, shame enters, every mess up, every dysfunction that follows, and he flips the script on what should be. And all the dysfunctions that are born out of Genesis 3 relationally and emotionally, and they're just common to all of us. They're common to everybody, and I think we found that to be true in the last nine weeks. Any amens on that one? So today, because the series is called Cycle uh, Breaker, Cycle Maker, today I want to talk about breaking these cycles. What, what is the way to do that? I'm going to share with you what I learned along the way on breaking the ci old cycles, establishing new cycles, and remember I'm talking about emotional, relational dysfunctions. This hits you where you live in any friendship, any relationship, any family dynamic. I'm going to warn you though. Today will not heal anyone. It will start you. And that's all it's going to do. It's up to you to want to do the work in this. It's just going to start you, but you got to do the work. You see, it's, it's a process, and, and, and that's another thing i, I got to tell you too. Um, once you start on this process, and once you put your foot on, on the gas pedal of doing the things I'm going to teach you today, you can never take your foot off if you want to keep growing, if you want to heal. And it is very easy to take your foot off the gas pedal of the things I'm going to share with you today. But some of you in process in your life, you are really, how many of you are really, really good at your job? I mean, you're the one they go to when they don't know what to do about something. You can do it in your sleep. Raise your hand. You, that's just you, right? Okay. You know, because you've been doing it a long time. You know, in the beginning, you were brand new and you had to learn and you made mistakes, but you kept learning and you asked older people further along the way, how do you do this? What you? And then you got better and better and better till you were basically what's called like a journeyman, master craftsman, and or whatever's called in your field, but you're, you're really, really good at it. Well, that's no different in the kingdom of God. You have to process yourself through these things. Now, one of the great things about the kingdom of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is there are power injections into your life and mine that allow us not just to try to process on our own because that's impossible, but the Spirit of God comes alongside of us and the cross of Christ plays a big, big role in our transformation of our life. Amen to that one? So today, I'm going to give you three things. They're the three things that I discovered along the way. Um that I uh, have used for the last 32 years because this series was 32 years in the making. I've shared with you a lot of the ridiculously ugly, stupid, dysfunctional things that were in me and that I did. How many like those stories? Any amens? You like them? Just eight of you? I won't share any more then. How many like those stories? Good. Yeah, okay. I'm going to share some more today. So, I'm going to take you down the Yellow Brick Road again. But uh, there's three things. Here we go. I hope you take notes. That way you remember. You remember these things. The first thing is this. Number one is you got to recognize. you got to begin. And whenever I talk to people about issues and they ask me questions, I always say it begins with recognition. You've got to recognize that you are doing certain things or acting certain ways or inside your soul you are feeling certain things that shouldn't. you don't want to act on. Now, you see, here's the point. You cannot address what you do not recognize. Any amens? 
Sherman, you guys, come on. Could you snap out of it? You cannot address what you cannot recognize. Amen? Yeah. Amen. That, that's just a fact. Now, I could have done a whole message on blame because once Adam and Eve sin and God comes looking for them, do they take responsibility for their actions or do they blame somebody else? They blame somebody else. I could have done a mess on that, but I didn't want to go longer than 10 weeks. So the tendency in our fallen nature is to blame, not take responsibility for ourselves, not recognize the issues that are in us. We cannot address what we choose to blame on others. And by the way, when you blame somebody else and everyone here has been sinned against, any amens on that? You're not the only one. Every one of us has been sinned against. Every one of us has had bad things happen to us. Every one of us has fallen into bad circumstances that affected us, right? We're all in this together. So we can choose to blame, but if you choose to blame, you'll never take a look at yourself and change anything. You'll always stay stuck in neutral or reverse in the past, and you'll never move forward in the present. Does that make sense to anybody here? So you got to take a look at yourself. One of the things I learned along the way was I asked the Holy Spirit, show me to me. Not to beat myself up, not to condemn myself, not to, you know, I, just I want to know. I want to know what needs to change in my life. And that's what I wanted to know. Now, I'll share again something that, and by the way, am I, am I the only one warm here? I'm just excited. Is it warm? Can you guys turn them down back there a little bit and cool me down a little bit? Because I feel like I'm on fire, baby. But I'm going to share with you. <laughs> you know, when you're in your 60s, you don't care anymore. You say whatever. But uh, you don't even remember what you said. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I've shared with you before that, and I'll share it again, you know, I'll share it in the future. I am an adult child of an alcoholic. There are 80 million of me in America. That's a lot, huh? Adults and kids. But there are 80 million of us right now. That's a lot of alcoholics in America, are there not? That's why, and I'll just be honest with you, that's why I am so dead set against alcohol. I just am. Because it doesn't lead to anything good. And you say, well, I can handle it. No, whatever you sow, you reap. That's a biblical principle. You go, you go a little bit here, you're going to need a little bit more. You're going to need Because whatever you sow, you reap. Be careful. Be careful. Because you're doing damage to the next generation, the next generation after that. And so these are where my issues are born out of, but they are common to everybody as I've learned over 30-some years of counseling people. Now, when I say my dad was an alcoholic, I mean he was an alcoholic. I mean every day but three days of my life, and I remember the three days in elementary school. Now, but this whole thing about recognizing and not you know, blaming others and not playing the victim anymore in your life, you know, and by the way, isn't our culture upside down? Eight of you think so? I'm going to try it again. Is our culture upside down? Yes. It's a mess. I, I've, you know, I know this has happened in other parts of history, but in my lifetime, I've never seen it get to this point. And it's kind of scary, isn't it? But one of the things out there is, oh, you're a victim. They're a victim. You know, let me tell you something. Shut up, okay? Amen. Quit playing the victim. You will never get anywhere in life by playing the victim. Do not listen to the rhetoric and the narrative out there because all they do out there is they create the problem. They create the problem and then tell you they have the solution. They have no solutions. God is a solution. Quit playing the victim. 
Take responsibility for your life and do something with your life. And don't look around and say, well, people need to do for me. No, shut up, okay? I'm sorry for saying shut up. No, I really am not. But. Okay, now, recognize. I got to get to the point. You guys are stalling me out here. Okay, now, let me show you something. Turn to Nehemiah 13. I hope you have your Bible. I hope you bring it every week. I hope you're learning it. You got to know where these things are. You've got to start doing this, whether it's on your phone or, you know, a regular, you know, real one like Paul read out of. Okay, but anyway. Okay, Paul didn't have a Bible like that. Now, look at Nehemiah 13. I'm going to read verses 4 through 9. Nehemiah has already built the wall. The temple's been rebuilt about 80 years, 90 years earlier. Now watch something that happens while Nehemiah has been gone. He went back to talk, to report to King Artaxerxes. This took place about um, 20, a little over 2,400 years ago. But watch how relevant and watch the application. Now prior to this, Eliashib, Nehemiah 13.4, Eliashib the priest who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God. The chambers are the side rooms of the temple proper. Being related to Tobiah, say Tobiah, had prepared a large room for him where formerly they put the grain offerings, the frankincense, the utensils, and the tithes of grain, wine, oil, prescribed for the Levites. The Levites are the ministers designated by God to serve in the temple because they are the ones when Moses said, who's for the Lord come to me at Mount Sinai? That tribe came to the Lord and they were designated as the priests of God. Pretty cool, huh? The singers and the gatekeepers and the contributions for the priests. So all this stuff is supposed to be in those side rooms for the ministry of the temple. But, verse 6, during all this time, I was not in Jerusalem. This is Nehemiah speaking. I wasn't there when this, all this is going on, when they took all that stuff out and put Tobiah in there. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had gone to the king. After some time, however, I asked leave from the king. And I came to Jerusalem and learned about the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah by preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. It was very displeasing to me. So I threw all of Tobiah's household goods out of the room. Then I gave an order, because he's the governor of this area, Nehemiah, and they cleansed the rooms. And I returned there the utensils of the house of God, I meaning he puts everything back in that's supposed to be there with the grain offering and the frankincense. Let me tell you what's going on here and how it relates to you and I in this message. Rec recognizing. Nehemiah leaves. While he's gone, in these side rooms of the temple proper, they take all the utensils that's supposed to be for the ministry of the temple, take it out. They let Tobiah come and live in one of these side rooms. Bad move, wrong move. Tobiah is an Ammonite. We find this out early in the book. Ammonites, one of their beliefs is, or one of the things they did was, one of their practices was, before the Israelites got to the promised land, they would take babies and sacrifice them to the god Molech. They would have this idol with arms out, they'd build a fire, and so it's like this idol is burning hot. They would take the babies alive, put them on the arms of Molech as a sacrifice, the babies would start to scream. 
They would play drums really loud so the parents of that child would not hear their child screaming in agony. Now, people say, well, how can a God of love tell the Israelites to destroy all these tribes that were in that land they were invading? How can he, how can he have them kill innocent people? Let me tell you something. They weren't innocent. They were doing these things. They were doing these things. And so God says, you got to take them out. And God gave them 400 years to repent. We find that in Genesis 15. They didn't repent. I will give you a warning. America is on that collision course because of the abortions in America. Whatever you think, whatever, it doesn't matter. But we're on a collision course with that. It's just a matter of time. Our country is eroding from the inside out. And we as Christians need to be Christians, right? We need to share our faith and be representatives of God and show the way. You can't keep quiet anymore and be a silent Christian. Stop it. Just stop it. You got to step forward in love, but share the truth. You're going to get opposition because it's a crazy culture, but you will find more people in agreement with your morality than ever, I think. Now, where did I, where, oh, I know where I'm at. I lost myself because I got off on that one. Um, Okay, so Nehemiah comes and he cleans out the side rooms and he puts the right things in there. Here's the picture. When you and I were born again, I, was, I, re I put my faith in Christ. I was born again August 12, 1979. And I've never regretted it and I've never pulled my foot off that pedal. We became the temple of the Holy Spirit. Am I right? Jesus one day said, destroy this temple himself, he's meaning himself, and in three days I'll raise it up again. What did he just really say? He said, I'm moving the temple from a place to a person. When you were born again, you became the temple of the living God. Am I right? Never forget that. Wherever you go, Never pray, Holy Spirit, come into this room. No, He's already in you, okay? He's already you. He came in with you. Don't look around like, where is He? He's in here. So you're the temple of the Spirit. But the problem in the picture here is this. There are side rooms to the temple. Can be a lot, there can be a lot of old baggage. The past affects the present, remember? And so Nehemiah, whose name means comforter, Jesus said one of the titles of the Spirit of God in the New Testament is the Comforter, right? And so when we take a look at the picture here, we realize that we have, all of us have, I, all of us do. We have all these side rooms of our personality and our emotions where there's baggage in there, correct? And as we partner with the Spirit of God and show me to me and recognize these things, then and only then can these things begin to be cleansed out of our life and the proper things be put into our life. Am I making any sense? Am I making sense? Young person, you want to have a successful relationship in marriage? Look at the issues in your life. Otherwise, you're going to head for a hard road, my friend. And be careful, because if you start blaming that spouse, no. All they're doing is showing you to you and how many issues you have in your own life. Has anybody realized that in marriage? All this is exposed you to you. Now, 
Nehemiah, if we partner with the Spirit of God, the Comforter, he begins this process in our life. We recognize and we start to change. What I like is this. This is not in your notes, but Romans 8, 29. It says that as a New Testament believer, I am to conform myself to the image of Jesus Christ. The word conform means to fashion. Isn't it interesting that, and I could go down this road, but I won't, that God fashioned Eve. Remember we talked about fashioning before? I think last week. Now, God, we're to become fashioned. Now, the word fashion, conform, comes from two root words in the Greek. It means to be joined, and it means to adjust the parts. So I'm to join to Christ. I'm to submit to Him, and He starts adjusting the parts and the pieces of my life the way He wants. I don't try to adjust Christ to me. I adjust to Him. Any amens on that? Now, let me tell you something about that. <clears throat> I have a fear. Just one, well, maybe a few more. Olivia scares me, but no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I have a fear, of, no offense if you're one of these, I have a fear of chiropractors. I'm not afraid they're going to hurt me because, you know, you know, I'll do, you know. But I'm afraid, and people have tried to get me to go, and if you go, that's great. This is, that's for you. But for me, I'm afraid that if I go one time, they're going to keep me, they're going, you've got to come back 8,000 more times, Jim. That's what I'm afraid. They're going to keep me coming back. Anybody that way? I feel that way. And, but that's me. But here's the deal. I cannot take that mentality because it means join means to be adjusted. Part of me is adjusted. I cannot take that mentality when it comes to Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God, right? I've got to come to Him. I've got to keep coming back for adjustment after 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 adjustment and continue to be adjusted by the Spirit of God. The problem with us is denial, is it not? And let me be honest with you. As an adult child, an alcoholic, whatever it is, it's easy for me to deny. As a person who carries shame, and we all do, it's easy for us to deny but all that does is intensify the shame. Does it not? Does it not? Yes. Now let me talk to you about recognizing. <clears throat> you ready for a story? Yes. You want a story? Yes. You want a story? <laughs> okay. I, if you've been here at New Beginnings a long time, you've heard this before. You, maybe you forgot. I don't know. I remember. It's one of the, you're going to think, you're crazy. Yeah, I know. It was about 1988. I was like four. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but I remember if someone disagreed with me, it was personal. And I'd be ticked off on the inside. I mean, I'd be steaming. Just because they disagreed with me. I was like those people you see on the streets these days that want everybody to agree with them. But I was mine on the inside. I remember one time, and I, I didn't realize, I was doing this for years, but this is the time when I caught it. I went home. I went in the bathroom. We lived on Auburndale. Shut the door, locked it. And I had done this many times before, but this is the first time I saw it in myself. I looked in the mirror. I imagined, as I'd done before, the face of the person who disagreed with me. I put my fists up. And I started swinging into midair and just full out anger. Imagined I'm hitting their face and beating it to a bloody pulp. And I was a student's ministry pastor at the time. 
But that's what I did. I remember that one day, I was swinging away, and it's like, it was those moments, and the Spirit of God dropped the thought in my head, look what you're doing. And I was like, like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Now, let me tell you something about that. Because we're talking about recognizing. I recognized it. But this was the fruit. There's deeper rooted issues. There's roots, right? So what was the root? Well, I took it personal. That's part of the root. How many people take things personal? Raise your behind. It's your in church. Okay, your life will be so much better if you just stop. And I didn't mean to embarrass you, but when you take it personal, I had to realize about myself, that's an insecurity in me. That has nothing to do with anybody else. That's an insecurity in me. And the moment you begin to realize that, my gosh, your life gets lighter. That it's okay to agree to disagree with stuff. That's a fine, that's, that's good. That's becoming an adult now. The deeper root, though, was I was an angry man. I grew up, remember, in a dysfunctional home. Not that, here, listen, I'm going to free somebody here. Not that I got angry. I was always angry. There's a big difference, right? See, when you're always angry, and my strong opinion is a lot of Christians are just angry people. After being in church 42 years, I know that's a fact. But not that I got it, but I was always angry. And when somebody tips you, any little thing happens, here it comes, right? Look for chronic irritation with people or situations, chronic impatience with people or situations. Some of you know that on the freeway, right? Chronic pouting with people or situations. One or two or all three on a consistent level or basis, that's the angry man or woman. And anybody that tips you the wrong way, here it comes. It may be in hard, sarcastic comments. It may be you keep it inside. Some of you maybe blow up. I don't know. But here it comes. And I had to recognize that about myself. At that time in 88, I was 32. And it's like, I, you know, I'm, I was beginning to realize I'm one angry person. And I had to start dealing with the deeper, deeper issues in my life. I had to recognize that these things were so in my life. Now, it starts with recognition. Then it moves to the second thing in your notes, and that is you relearn. You've got to relearn. The second R is relearn. Now, let me tell you something very important, not in your notes. If you're taking notes and you're a Bible person and you want to learn more, write down Romans 6, verse 6. Write it down. If you don't, then you're going to lose something very valuable for you today in your, in your growing in God. In Romans 6, 6, it says, by the virtue of the crucifixion, and I put my faith in Jesus Christ, that my old nature, my old self, has been done away with. It's, it's done. Now, in other words, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I identify with the cross of Christ. I now died on the cross with Jesus, and therefore, you know, I am crucified with Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Amen? Amen. But in that action of Christ and my appropriation of that cross by my faith, a lot of words, huh? but all it means is I identify with him. My old nature is done away. The words done away are amazing words that Paul uses theologically. It means to make powerless or to paralyze. Listen to what I just said. Powerless or paralyze. 
That means the old me, the old baggage, the old ways, the old way of thinking, the old bad habits, everything has now been rendered powerless in my life. It has no power over me. It has been broken. Think of it like this. My old nature, paralyzed, is a quadriplegic. can only yell at me, but it cannot make me do anything. You follow me? You follow me. We've been set free. That's a big, big truth I gave you. I hope you get it. I hope you run with it. Now, so now I've been set free. I can recognize I've been set free. And by the way, set free. Moses comes to the Red Sea. What did God tell him? Today, he says, let's go forth because today these Egyptians who you see coming, after today, you will never see them again forever. Remember that? And they go through the water, and then they get on the side, and here come the Egyptian chariots. The water comes down, kills them all. In other words, the power of the slavery of the Egyptian taskmasters was broken and gone forever. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross. Amen? Amen. Never forget that. Every one of you should have been screaming on that one. That was one of the greatest things Jesus did. Now, relearn. Christianity, with the power of God and everything else, is a matter of unlearning and relearning. That's why you need the Word of God. Correct? Correct? Yes. Transform your thinking. Without changing your thinking, you're going to walk around stinking thinking. Now let me talk to you. Now let me share the story how it all started for me. It's going to take a few minutes. <clears throat> 1989, March. My dad has a stroke. How many of you were in my youth group when I was a youth pastor? Any of you in here today or are you out there helping? Who's back there? Let me see who it is. I can't see who it is. Huh? Oh, Nikki, yeah. Still look in the mirror a lot when you're younger? That was our joke when she was a teenager. Anybody else in here? Because I know they're helping out there. Okay, just you, Nikki. You're the only faithful one from the 80s. Okay, God bless you. <laughs> no, there's a few of them out there. So in March 1989, my dad has a stroke. I was conducting a student leadership meeting at my house live in Auburndale. I get the call. You know, we didn't have cell phones back then. Dad had a stroke. Got to get to the hospital. I get in the car. I drive. Now, back then, we don't have cell phones. I don't even know what hospital he's in, but it's either, we had two hospitals, regional or Circle City. Remember Circle City? So I'm driving. So I pick regional, and luckily, I picked the right one. I go inside. <clears throat> And, um, and he's laying there in the left side of his body he can't move and I remember my nephew Rob Del Campo was with me we were in there and in that emergency room I led my father my alcoholic father to the Lord in that emergency room so it's never too late prayed for him within I think five six hours you know God had restored his left side completely Thank, praise the Lord That was March. May comes. I want to say it was around May 10th. Something in my mind says that was the day, but I could be wrong. I'm really good with numbers and recollection. I was standing at the pulpit. I remember I was preaching to the students, and something happened. Nobody knew it happened. Only I knew it happened. 
I'm very analytical. I'm very visual in my analyzations about things in my life and lives of others. The best way to describe it, and this is the way it felt in the visual of my mind at the time when it happened, I felt like a wave just came right through me. And it took part of me with it. I remember that visual in my head. I was like, and I'm sitting there, I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm preaching, I'm like, what, what's going on? And almost like I felt depleted. I didn't know what happened to me. But now, I know now, I, a couple years later, I knew that was depression. Because I had been, I was such a workaholic. I had pushed my whole life to try to get the pats on the back. Remember the stories I told you about that? Try to make myself feel okay, feel okay, feel okay. Because my shame issue, what I came from, I kept pressing and pressing and pressing. And I never talked about anything. Remember the second message, the shutdown? I would shut down. You get those two ingredients, you're, it's, it's like kryptonite, man. It's going to kill you. And that night, it happened. And I'm a type A personality. But I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. And I couldn't get my motor revved again to get going. It's terrible. Then about a few weeks later, my dad has another stroke. It's, money. it's amazing how the Spirit of God will use situations. And you think it's about that, but it's really how he's dealing with you. You ever notice that? And he's like, pro, he's like prying into me. And I don't know what's wrong with me. And my dad has another stroke. So they do exploratory surgery. Turns out my dad is just, he's colon cancer. There's just so much, he, it's nothing they can do. And that, I always give my commercial. If you're 45 or 50 and you've never had a colonoscopy, please get it. And every five years get it because no one has to die from that. I started in my late 30s because it runs in my family. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to be around for your loved ones. They said my dad had six months to live. And almost to the day, it was so. He died about one or two minutes past midnight. Right, Lucia? But it was January 1st to my sister. January 1st, 1990. And now you're feeling even more things. Let me give you a sidebar. For those of you in this room, you're still angry with mom or dad or whoever, you better fix that. You better fix it before something happens, and then you can't. Because then you're going to be worse off I'm not saying they're going to be your best friends or admit to what they did. They may never, and don't put that expectation on them. But do some right things. Otherwise, you're the one's going to be suffering. And as I told you before in this series, if there's nothing you can honor your father or mother with, honor them with forgiveness in your heart. Because it's about healing you. Otherwise, you're going to take your bitterness and your anger, and you're going to... You're going to pour it out on the people you're supposed to love. You better fix it while you can. And if they've already passed, you better start taking that to the cross and saying, Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. Because otherwise you're just going to grow up to be some ugly, old, bitter pill. And what good is that? 
Okay. So I'm depressed still. And I don't know what's wrong. I can't sleep at night. I want to fall asleep in the day and I've got jobs to do. I have no vision for the future. Depression's awful. Has anyone ever been there? It's one of the worst things. You just don't know what's wrong. What can you do? But I, I didn't realize how I had depleted myself for years and I never talked about all this stuff inside of me. Never did. So it came a Wednesday night service. Nikki, you were in that service, I'm sure. And after that service, I went to Chris Songson. Some of you know Chris Songson, Pastor Chris. He was my junior high pastor. I've known him since he was 16. I was 29 at the time. I hired him to be my junior high guy. He's always been loud, okay, if you know him. And I told him after the service, I said, I'm going to give you the student ministries. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to minister to adults. Then I went to our associate. This was at what's called New Hope. Now it was called Calvary Christian Center. I went to our associate, Pastor Fred Rodriguez, who's now the senior pastor at Elsinore First, and I told him the same thing. I, I don't, I'm, I'm going to give the youth ministry to Chris. I want to start ministering to adults. Okay. But then I go home. And I said, Olivia, I want to talk to you. I'll never forget, we're sitting on the bed. They were sitting on the bed in our bedroom in Auburndale. And I told you exactly what I told Fred and what I told Chris. But then I added one more thing and other things with it. I wish I remember the whole conversation. But in a nutshell, I said, not only do I not want to be in the youth minister anymore, I don't want to be a minister anymore. I want out. I'm done with this. And I poured out some more things to my wife, started sharing more things with her. And here's what she said. And she always says this. Well, whatever the Lord wants. I thought, you can't talk me out of it or anything like that? <laughs> but she would always say, whatever the Lord wants. You know, she's always just followed me. Because she won the lotto. No, I just don't. <laughs> I love to say that. <laughs> but I wanted out of here. I was just, it was just, ugh. And I still had to take, I would take our students three times a year. You can't do that anymore. It's just kind of dangerous now. I would take them three times a year down to Rosarito or to Tecate, and we'd take clothes and build homes. This is what we would do three times a year. And Easter break was one of those times we would do it. Did it for five years. I used to take the students to Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood on Friday nights to go street witnessing, if you can believe that. Junior high and high schoolers I would take. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But back then we did it. Um, so I had to take them. And so I was like, okay, I got to take them. So we go down there. And we're doing what we do and everything. And I remember it was Saturday night. And we're going, you know, we get there Friday. We work all day Saturday and Saturday. We build this big bonfire. And uh, they're all having a great time. And it's, it's culminating now. We're getting, next morning, we're going to drive home. And we had a 15-passenger white van, like the church has one, plus all the other vehicles that drove down there because we had a, a lot of good adult leaders that went with us. And I put, the, I, I put them all to sleep. And I tried to, and the, like certain girls, and um, like, you guys know Aaron Diaz? Yeah. Yeah. Well, her sister, Julie Gallery now, her, Nikki, your sister, Veronica, and then Rhonda, who was in first service, trying to put them to sleep is like herding cats. <laughs> you, you, you put them to sleep, and I go, shh, be quiet, you gotta go to bed. Okay, okay, and then as soon as you turn away, ah! <laughs> and then they start again, they're like hyenas. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. And I go, shh, go to bed, go to bed. And as soon as I turn around, ah! 
And that's what they keep doing. And Julie's like, oh, that's the way she laughs. And she's out there setting up, so she, she's not in here. But she would laugh if I told her. Um, yeah, you can tell her. It's okay. She knows. Um, and then I finally got him in there. Quiet. I go back to the bonfire. And I stand there Saturday night. I remember I look up to the sky. And I said something like this. I said, God, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Something's got to give, God. I can't keep up. I can't do this. What's wrong with me? Because I didn't know what was wrong with me. I'm pouring my heart out to God. and I can't tell you if it was the next morning, Sunday morning, or that Monday. I don't remember which one it was. But I remember I woke up, and I was back. I was myself but I was better than myself and now because I'm analytical I'm going to figure out what, what happened what did I do that changed this and I started thinking and analyzing and thinking and analyzing and what it was was when I went home and I poured my heart out to my wife told her what I really felt inside I had never done that with anyone in the history of my life I didn't trust anyone anyone not trust anyone here yeah it's a terrible place to be when your emotions have been trampled upon enough when you're growing up you're not going to talk anymore because no one's going to wound you again but that night when I poured everything out to my wife that was the only thing I could figure out what it was. For the first time in 33 years of my life, I finally talked about what was really going on inside of me. I did the opposite of the shutdown. And once I figured that out, that talking helped me, I started down my road. Now, I wasn't great at it in the very beginning. But I started to talk more. I have good friends I can talk with. And what I do with Olivia now, and she can attest to this, every so often, I have a repeat. I have a good life. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> but I do do that, okay? Because she won the lottery. No, I won the lotto. She stuck with this crazy guy. Who said, Yeah. But here's what I do now with my wife, but with other people I talk to. But whenever something really gets me, and typically when I get hot inside or angry, it's because a church person made me mad. I'll just be honest with you, okay? I know that's a shocker, right? But it's church people that make me the angriest. I expect sinners to be that way. So it's like, but church people? Fickle? Attack you like that? See, and I don't even mind being attacked, but when they start saying things that are not true about my character, then it's like fighting words for me. Are you kidding me? But I don't go on the attack because I'm, I'm a grown-up now, though I'd like to. No. <laughs> but I say, Olivia, I, go, I just got to say this. You can't fix me. Because how many of you, if I share with you what's going on, how many of you could really give me a verse that I don't know already? Right? It's a real fun place to be. I say, you can't fix me, you can't do it. I just got to say it. I just got to say it. And 
I just say it. It's going to sound funny. I got to say it. I got to get it out of me. And once I get it out of me, I can cope now. I, 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 I've just kind of settled it. And I do that now. And I do it whenever I need to do it. You know what I found out in the re... We're still in relearning. After this started to happen, when I started to talk and share things, and I saw... You know, all of a sudden, when I'd read, like, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's sharing all these things, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. I'm thinking, how did I not see this before? I've read it so many times. Here is God in the flesh, about to go through a tough circumstance, and he's sharing his heart. How did I not see to do that? And then I would read where Jesus is on the road to Emmaus and the two guys he's walking with after the resurrection and he shares all the books of Moses, thus affirming the Old Testament as true. Now, and then they pull aside, they stop at these people's home, they have dinner, Jesus takes captive the dinner, he gets the bread, he breaks it, he extends his arms and all of a sudden they go, it's Jesus because they didn't recognize him before because how can you possibly believe somebody could have risen from the dead? But when he goes like this and the sleeves come up, that's the assumption, they see the scars and they go, it's Jesus! So Jesus showed his scars. How did I not see that? For 10 years I didn't see these things. But all of a sudden it was like... Mind blower. He showed his scars. He shared his pain. He talked about his insecurities. Now, I know somebody in here, you are going to give yourself all what we call in ACA circles, your noble sounding reason why you don't need to talk. And all they are is a bunch of hogwash. You give yourself that lie. You give yourself that noble sounding reason. Your family members wish you would talk and get some stuff out. Any amens on that? Quit giving yourself the noble sounding reason. Now, once I get to there, the next thing where I put my pedal on the metal, there's a third thing, and that's renew. Now watch this. Now, second, or, I'm sorry, Colossians 3, 9, and 10. Now there's the renewal part. Here we go. I want you all to read this with me. Two verses. One, two, three. Do not to one another since you laid aside the old self with it's evil practices. And then verse 10. And have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now, when it says put off and put on, put off the old self, put on the new self, it literally is the imagery of taking off a garment, an old garment, and putting on a new garment. That's literally the, the imagery. But you take that with what it said, the true knowledge. So now you clean out all the side rooms, all the dysfunction, all the baggage of your life. You take it out, you put off, you put off because you recognize these things. And then you relearn by the word of God transforming your thinking. Amen? That's the true knowledge. Amen? Amen? That's the true knowledge. That's the true knowledge right there. The scriptures. I don't know how a person can be a Christian and not read the word of God. You will sputter the rest of your life. You need this word. Now, the next verse I want to show you is this, 2 Corinthians 3.18. says, read it with me, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, metamorphosed, into the same image, image again from Glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Oh, we're being transformed. There's image. Remember Adam and Eve's sin? They put on a new image, a false image. Remember that? We're to take on the image of Christ. But notice, unveiled face. Take off the mask. 
Take off the mask. Be real. Be honest. Let me tell you about the next generation, these younger ministers in our church in that generation. They have zero tolerance for lack of authenticity. They just do. My generation, we're not as authentic. We've learned wrong. If we're going to reach these group, you better be authentic. Because they'll read right through it in a heartbeat. Now, <clears throat> see where I'm at. Oh, yeah. Here's the biggest renewal. I'm going to try to punch this home because I know you guys want to go get on the bounce houses. I will say this. I've said it already in the series. I will say it again, and I will keep pounding this into your brains and soul till you get it because this is the key, in my opinion. Romans 3, 23 and 24. Watch this. For all have sinned and fall short. Say, fall short. Short of the glory of God. Now, sin says, I've done wrong, I've done bad. Shame says, I'm wrong, I'm bad. I fall short. Not only do I fall short of heaven, of God's ideal, but I also fall short. I, I, I fall short. I'm bad and I'm wrong. Verse 24 says this. Being justified. Say justified. justified. As a gift. How many of you, when you receive a gift, you feel like you've got to give them something back? Be honest. Raise your hand. Come on. Yeah, I used to feel that way too. Get over it, okay? Get over it. Now, if somebody gives me a gift here in church, I go, praise the Lord. <laughs> Took me a while. Took me a while. But it's a gift. Justification. By His grace. You can't earn it. Through the redemption. You know what redemption means? It means when you put your faith in Christ, it means you were purchased from the slave market of sin and released forever. Did you know that? Okay. Which is in... Christ Jesus. Now, justification. Here's, it took me 10, 32 years later now, but about 10 to 15 years in, it finally dawned on me. What is the answer to this stuff? It's justification. Justification says, I've been declared, means declared innocent by the blood of Jesus. Every sin, every failure, every mistake, everyone I've ever wronged, Every bad word's come out of my mouth. Every bad thought. Every broken relationship. Declared innocent. Now, when you understand that, it doesn't mean you can't, you still have to go apologize to people. And you still have to go make restitution if you need to make restitution. But I'm declared innocent. Question, here's the big, here's the big deal for me. Shame says I'm bad and I'm wrong. And I get all the fig leaves and everything else and go down the dysfunctional roads of control, of blame, etc., etc., etc. How can I be bad and wrong if I've been declared innocent of everything? Did you hear me? How can I possibly be bad and wrong if I've been declared innocent of everything? I can't. And if you grab hold of that truth right there, my friends, and you pound it away in your head, it will change your life. You'll not walk around feeling like less than, or I'm the bad one here, or I'm stupid because somebody said I'm dumb, or you know what, I did this, and I can never be better than that. You'll never do that again. You'll never do it. Because you're declared innocent of all things. Look, 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 look. Yeah. 
I watch ID channel, okay? Because I want to know if Olivia's trying to kill me. I want to know how she's doing it. No, I'm just joking. Can I tell you a joke between Olivia and I? Can I? Francis, you know this joke, huh? Because you use it now. There's this one ID. This is, has nothing to do with the message, okay? Is that okay? <laughs> there was this one, I, one show on ID where the husband had the wife killed, but he was like in West Coast and they were East Coast, and they call him up, and on the phone he goes, oh, 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 she was so nice. My wife did, but he had her killed. So now... I tell Olivia, I go, I'm going to practice Olivia. <laughs> she was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you aren't even laughing, are you? <laughs> I, thought, I think that's funny. We laugh. Don't we you laugh, babe. Don't shake your head at me. Okay, but I watch ID Channel. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, investigator. Um, when somebody kills somebody, and then they go buy all the bleach to dry, wash off all the blood, right? You ever seen that? But then the detectives come in, the investigators, and what do they bring? Luminol. Luminol. And they spray it everywhere. And then they bring that light, and the blood's all over the place. Oh, this guy did it. Right? When you have come to Christ, Luminol, whatever, cannot detect any sin, shame, transgression, whatever in your life. It's all washed away. You're not bad and you're not wrong. Your identity is in Christ. You're in right standing with Christ. You've been declared innocent, my friends. It's just that simple. Okay, can I have you for five more minutes? It's really good, I promise, okay? <clears throat> you ever heard of a guy named Mephibosheth in the Bible? Say that, Mephibosheth. It's fun. Say it three times. No. In 2 Samuel 9, a part of his life is stated. But let me back up. When he was little, they were rushing to leave Jerusalem because there was a, a takeover. And his maid was carrying him, and she drops him. And when she drops him, he is crippled. He can't walk. He is Jonathan's son. Jonathan has been killed. Jonathan is David's best friend. He lives out as a cripple. David one day years later is sitting there and he says, you know, is there anyone left from the household of Jonathan who is his best friend that I can show favor to? And somebody says, well, yeah, there's Mephibosheth. He goes, where does he live? He lives in a place called Lo Debar. You know what Lodabar means? It means no thing or nothing. He lives out in nothing. Or he's no thing. You know what his name Mephibosheth means? Exterminator of idols. Do you think there was a lot of expectations that he would be someone great in his life? You better believe it. But now he's no thing because he got dropped as a child. I'm not going to say this to make you feel bad. I'm going to say this to make you realize. Some of you got dropped, huh? Some of you got dropped. They weren't there. Or it wasn't functional or normal at home. Or you were abused. 
Some of you got dropped. Some of you were even beaten as kids. You got dropped. Some of you were told some of the ugliest things. You're stupid. I don't want you. You got dropped. And it's been riding you and riding you for a long time. You got dropped. And you know it's somewhat crippled you in the soul. Some of you work so hard to try to prove that you're okay. David. He says, is there somebody? Yeah, Mephibosheth, go bring him. And David is a picture of the son of David, Jesus Christ. Think of it this way. They bring Mephibosheth. David says, I want him to eat at my dinner table every day. Now, you've got to think of it like this. In Jesus' day, and I'll just go with Jesus' day, this is the way they'd eat. They'd come to the, it'd be like a U, and the food would be on this area, and they'd bring the food in the middle, and you'd be laying here with a pillow right here, with your legs going out. That's why the woman coming in could wash Jesus' feet. Does that make sense now? And you'd eat like this. Now, if you're Mephibosheth, and you're a cripple, and you're at that table, do you look any different than anyone else? It's a level playing field, huh? You look just like anybody else. There's no, there's no detection that you are different or you're less than. I think that's one of the greatest pictures. That when you come to Christ, you come to his table. It's a level playing field. You're like everybody else. Because that's what the son of David says. Now, I started this series with a matrix illustration. Do you remember? I said, when they plucked Neo from the matrix, he said, why do my eyes hurt? And he says, and they said, because you've never used them before. My hope is that you use your eyes in this series and now use your eyes for the rest of your life. Show me to me. But I'm going to give you another matrix Illustration. I hope I haven't used it in the series. I don't remember. But they put made, but Neo's going to go see the Oracle. And they're in that 64 Continental. Cool suicide door car. And they're driving along, and Neo goes, huh? And he's looking, and, then, and Trinity says, what? He goes, I used to eat there. Really good soup. And then he says, what does that mean? Because he's in this computer world now. And she said, it means the matrix cannot tell you who you are. You see, you've grown up with so many things thinking you're this, you're that, you're not that. Sorry, only God can tell you who you are. Only God. So yesterday I get this in the mail. I wow. It's about apparel and glassware. They put your name on it. Can you zoom in, Richard? But my good side though. I don't have a good side anymore. <laughs> I don't even know if I have a side anymore. But they have my name, Del Campo, American made from the finest. And then it says, Italian parts. I'm not Italian. Como puedo ser que yo soy italiano? But you paisans in the room, hey. Now, to be fair, my last name has Italian roots. It really does. But I'm not Italian. I'm Spanish, Spaniard, and Mexican. See? 
They're trying to say I'm Italian. No, I'm Spaniard, Mexican. See, the culture can't tell you who you are. Only God can tell you who you are. You following me on that? Only God. That's why this word of God is so important. Now, I began by telling you, you put your foot on the gas and you press it in this process. You keep going. Never take your foot off because you'll go right back to who you were. It's like this. The house lands. Dorothy opens the door and it's all in color. Remember that? And she wants to come back home. And they say, follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> right? And then she goes to the next person, follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> and, and then she starts following the yellow brick road. And the yellow brick road, she stays on the yellow brick road until she gets to Oz because she wants to go home. She doesn't get off that yellow brick road. She keeps following the yellow brick road. That's what you got to do. Once you plant your feet in these things, in this process, you got to keep your feet on the yellow brick road. And you know what? There's going to be people trying to eat like the flying monkeys. Those are weird, you know? And then, you know, poppies, pop. They're going to try to get you off. But you stay on the yellow brick road. And you watch how God changes your life. You watch how it gets better week after week. Get out of denial. Quit acting like, I'm okay now. No, you're not. No, you're not. You want to keep growing. Stay on the Olympic road. What do I mean? Read your Bible. Kids, start reading. Please, stay in the New Testament. Get a translation you can understand. Fellowship. Get around Christians regularly. Not just on Sunday mornings. And quit isolating yourself. That's not going to grow you. It's proven. Fellowship and serving are the two catalysts that really grow you. Worship. Come together and worship. Serve somewhere. And talk. 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 Get it out. You stay on the yellow brick road and you watch what God does. I'm 32 years down the road of regular practice of these things. Well, here we go. Series over. Del Campo out. Amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.